Welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, conversations designed to help you as you live, learn, and lead through pain. And now the host of the Nothing Is Wasted podcast, Davey Blackburn. Hello, welcome to the Nothing Is Wasted podcast. My name is Davey. I'm your host and joining me, our co-host, Aubrey. And we have an incredible episode for you listeners. And yeah, we do. Davey, we have an incredible <laughs> episode for you. I feel like this is sort of your dream episode today. This is my dream. If we could just interview Major League Baseball players or former Major League Baseball players every single episode, <laughs> I would be in heaven. However, I don't think our producer... Taylor would be okay with that. that I don't think I would be the right person for that <laughs> podcast either because I'd be like, oh, what team do you play for? What position is that again? What does that mean? There, there are a few people that can get me to kind of geek out. And yeah. I mean, and this one was, I mean, today's interview is with Daryl Strawberry. Which, I feel like we need a drum roll for that. Daryl Strawberry. I was honestly shocked. I heard a couple of years ago that Daryl Strawberry had a phenomenal testimony that he was passionately pursuing the Lord. And I knew him as like one of baseball's bad boys, you know, I mean, this was, which he talks about in his story. But when we sat down and started having a conversation, the entire team as we're sitting here recording it. They're like taking pictures and video of me because I'm just geeked out, like bright eyed, (laughs) super excited. Our our podcast producer, Taylor did text me a picture of you. I don't know if you know this and you do, you just look like a little boy. Like I was, I went back into my like eight eight year old boy self, you know, as I'm watching him. Even my husband, Kevin, who knew that we were going to have Daryl on. I mean, he was feeling a little like geeked out and a little boyish too. He was like, Oh, I had posters of him on my wall. Well, and in case you are not like me or Kevin Sampson and you don't have baseball cards galore of Daryl strawberry, you need to know this about him. He's a former major league baseball player a four-time world series winner unbelievable um multiple multiple all-star appearances uh one of baseball's best however he does have a really crazy story about some drug addiction and all kinds of things that he's going to dive into right here now he's traveling all over the country all over the world sharing the gospel amazing Um, i heard this first because of the church that i've spoken here a couple times they actually are partner church of nothing is wasted they run the pain to purpose course called the blended church they had him in to share his testimony and i'm like wait a minute i had no idea daryl strawberry loved jesus so how cool is that Um, that is so cool we're going to hear about how that happens in this conversation with him it's awesome He's also the author of a new book that he's uh, just released, which has an incredible title, by the way. It's called Turn Your Season Around, How yes. God Transforms Your Life, which is so appropriate for Mr. Daryl Strawberry himself. So good. So good. Um, so excited just to listen to what God has brought him through and what God has brought him out of. It's going to be an incredible one. If you're encouraged by today's conversation with Daryl Strawberry, go ahead and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. That helps get the podcast into the hands hands and the ears of people who need it and um, helps us continue to do the work that we're doing. That's right. Afterwards, Aubrey, you and I are going to break down. We're going to do some color commentary if we're going to stick with the sports theme over here. Some commentary of our own perspective. I won't say things about sports, but I'm there. (laughs) Of this conversation. So you're going to want to stick around afterwards so that um, we can be a part of this conversation. We'll talk a little bit about what Daryl talked about and dive into some of those topics a little deeper. So why don't we listen to this conversation I have with Daryl Strawberry. Daryl, it is an unbelievable honor to have you joining me on the podcast. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate you taking the time out 
to have me on to break a little bread. Oh man. Well, you know, uh, I was sharing with, with you before I, we jumped on and pressed record that I, you know, I'm a former baseball player. I played all the way through college and, uh, grew up watching you play and, uh, getting to just, you know, now I wasn't a, a Mets fan or a Yankees fan. I was a Red Sox fan at the time, but oh. <laughs> <laughs> I probably shouldn't lead out with that one. Right. <laughs> that's, that's a, that's a tough one to lead uh, out with, brother. Uh, was, well, I got to watch you just, <laughs> just whooping our tail all over the place, especially in the late nineties, man. And that's just it. But I'm telling you, man, it, it's so cool because we have a mutual friend and pastor Daner here at the blended church in Indianapolis. And I just had lunch with him and he was sharing with me about how you came and spoke at his, his church just recently. He said, Davey, I, I kept wanting to talk about baseball with Daryl and all he wanted to do was talk about the Lord and what God has done in his life. And so I'm so excited to have this conversation and, and have our listeners hear your story because it's a remarkable one, man. It's, it's incredible what the Lord has done. Well, thank you. It's a God story, you know, at the end of every situation of our lives you know it's a god story and thank you for pastor daner you know they an incredible church the blended church there i've been there a few times they just like family to me and i just mm -hmm. love going in there and having a ministry just to share my heart and, and share the love of god to people so they can understand that god meets us right where we at he, uh he's not looking for you to be perfect because you're not perfect you know mm -hmm. the, all the broken all the broken pieces of who we are he takes the broken pieces and he just kind of put them back together for his good so you know, hopefully um, the people that are listening today will really understand that. And and I try to be as clear as I can and, and open as I can to let them know that uh, I wasn't always like this. Um, and that's that's really important. You know, God found me in, in the middle of a pit uh, and put me into a pulpit. So he's pretty cool when you mm. get to that place of surrendering yourself to him. That's amazing. That's amazing. Okay. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure our audience knows who you are, just in case they were born yesterday or you know, buried their head in the sand all the way through the nineties. Um, uh, but you're a former baseball player, uh, major league baseball player. You, you played for, okay. I know the Mets, the Yankees, the Dodgers, uh, even what San Francisco for a little while. Who else? Giants. Yes. Yep. Okay. San Francisco. All right. And then you're a uh, eight time all-star eight time all-star eight time all-star four world series rings, right? Yes. I mean, a very prolific career, um, and yet, you know, the Lord has done some incredible stuff since your career. I want you to kind of take us back and talk about the path that you were on while you were playing ball and, and just kind of give us a little bit of your history and, and then take us on the journey of what the Lord has, has done in your life. Well, I think the real history of it was from my childhood and, you know, growing up in a dysfunctional home, my father was a raging alcoholic and, you know, he would come home every night with some crazy stuff and he came home for the last time. I was about 14 years old and he was yelling at my mother and me and my brothers woke up and my older brother, Michael, just told him, I want to get out here, leave us alone. And he pulled out a shotgun and, you know, he talked about it. he was going to kill the whole family. And, and there was my brother, Ronnie, went in and grabbed the butcher knife. I grabbed a frying pan and my mother looked at us and she, she gave us that look like, get out of the house. Wow. You know, because she, she knew right then that, you know, we were about to respond. And I always tell people it could have been a tragedy in my life before I ever put the uniform on. So mm -hmm. I was already scarred the wounds and, and the scars were already there from the rejection and the beatings that we received from my father because he was an alcoholic. And yeah. I always say that my pain led me to my greatness, but my greatness would eventually lead me to my destructive behavior. It doesn't matter how well you become and what you achieve if you don't ever get healed on the inside, yeah. you know, the healing that has to take place on the inside. I look good from the perspective on the outside because I put a uniform on and I always tell people, 
my uniform just made me a baseball player. You know, I didn't become a man until I met Jesus. You know, the mm-hmm. baseball part of me was a was a heathen, womanizer, alcoholic, drug addict, sinner, rich, famous, privileged, lived behind community gates, had it all, but had nothing. But I can tell you one thing. My mother raised me right. My mother raised me to live right because my mother was a strong Christian and she lived according to the biblical principles. Mm-hmm. So I saw what living right was. But at the same time, I was still broken on the inside. You know, the uniform covered up the scars and the wounds and the brokenness on the inside was never healed, you know, because of all these earthly things they say you can have. And the more earthly things you get, the more earthly fame you get, the more toxic and, and, and sickness become a part of your life. And you and you live in that. It's a real demonic force. You know, people don't understand. See, I got a chance to live that out and really see the demonic force of it and realize that that wasn't the life that God had created for me. That was the life that, you know, I had created for myself. You know, God gave me the talent, but I basically created the atmosphere of the life because, you know, I, my mother raised me right. And she was a good woman. And, and, and she, and she laid on her face praying for me and my brothers and sisters, and she was dying and she was praying for us that God would save me. And my sister found a journal under her bed that she was praying, God, please knock him off of his throne. She was talking about me, mm-hmm. knock him off his fame, his fortune, and bring about salvation. She went home to be with the Lord, and she didn't get to see it in the natural, but she's got a chance to see it in the supernatural. But her prayers came to pass. That's why it's so important for someone to understand. You don't never stop praying just because you can't see the transformation and the change, you know. And I, I learned that through that fact because my mother had prayed for me, and then I ended up getting saved and I ended up leading the whole family to the Lord. And I ended up even leading my father to the Lord, the man that rejected wow. me and beat me and, got, and left us for dead. God would go back and use me to lead him into salvation. So it's a miracle always waiting for God to do in someone's life. We just don't really know what it is, even through the pain of what happens to us. You know, there's still the miracle because he's still God. Wow. Wow. Man. Um, you know, talk a little bit about the season, you know, prior to um, the Lord really, uh, you know, turning your life around and, and having this transformational experience that your mom was praying for. Talk about the season, uh, you know, you're, you're stepping into the show, you're, you're just unbelievable talent. I mean, people were raving about this, this young, um, uh, talented, massive swing of a guy. And so obviously you're getting... You know, you're not just you're getting your ego stroked. You're chasing after fame, chasing after money. Was was there ever a point where you began to see in the midst of that right there, the pain that you had buried that had gone unaddressed begin to creep out and, and ooze out in, in, in sideways in ways that you're like, man, what's going on here? And it, it would cause you to, to, to kind of pause for a second. Or was everything just so distracting? You just were kind of on that high for a while. Well, the- well, I just kind of knew that the pain was always there. Mm. You know, I knew that from the beginning, uh, uh, putting the uniform on and, and wanting to be accepted. And, you know, I remember my first, you know, trip, you know, rookie year, 1983, you know, a veteran player sent me to the back of the plane, said, welcome to the big league. That's how I got introduced to cocaine. Mm. And I just wanted to be accepted, you know, because my father had rejected me and, and said I wouldn't amount to anything. And here it is. I'm looking at these guys accept me, you know, as I am. And they didn't know me. They just knew that I had this talent. And, you know, they saw me in spring training in 1983. And I played in a couple of big league games. And they seen me hit a couple of bombs. And they was like, man, this young phenom is talented. And then I get sent back down to the minor leagues. And then 
the first month of the season, they bring I missed the first month of the season in the big leagues, and then they, they bring me up after that. And then I get introduced to the life, you know, and, and then that night, you know, even on that first road trip, the players, you know, they took me out and they just showed me the life. They showed me the club and they showed me the women. And I just thought to myself, man, I have arrived. You know, mm-hmm. this is, you know, this is, this is, this is what, you know, every kid would dream to be, you know, where I'm at and, you know, have this lifestyle like this. But at the same time, the brokenness was always there. I just was trying to fill the brokenness with all the empty, you know, all the empty voids that were inside of me. Uh, I was trying to fill it with everything that, you know, really cover up to make me feel better. And I think we all do that. We'll try to cover up to make us feel better uh, because the empty void on the inside of us is really real and is deep and it runs deep. And there I was, I was filling it with women. You know, I, I ended up getting rookie of the year, my 1983, I ended up getting uh, immediately signed a long-term contract for 8 million for the next eight years. I would have, you know, I'd become a millionaire at the age of 21. And, um, and then you think you would have it all and have it all together. And of course I moved forward and my talent moved forward, but you know, I was already, like I said, I was already in that heathen lifestyle. I was already broken, you know, um, and I had this uniform on, uh, that I want to excel. And why did I excel? Because I believed in myself because my father didn't believe in me. So I believed in my own self and, 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 and I became this, you know, excellent baseball player and understood the game and knew how to play it at the highest level. It could do it all. And, and, and there it was, you know, I did it all for eight years in New York and then I became a free agent. And I signed the biggest contract of my life at 20 million, you know, when I'm at the age of 29 years old and I and going to LA free agent and thinking this should be the happiest time of my life when I go out to play LA and it was the most miserable time. You know, I was an alcoholic. I was a womanizer. My marriage was falling apart. And I just signed a big contract and now I'm, you know, playing in a new city and back home and everything. And then I went to this, I went to this crusade. I went to this crusade, Christian crusade. Uh, My wife, my first wife, uncle took me to this Christian crusade. He said, he says, I know what you need. He said, I just need to take you to this crusade. I want to introduce you to this. And he took me to this crusade and it was more surreal and it was a big crusade. And all I, I went there for like four nights and all I did was weep and cry because all I heard was the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm quite sure everybody was probably thinking this guy, he just, he should be happy. But there was, I was sitting there and I, this is the first time I really heard the gospel of Jesus Christ like that and heard about this man, Jesus, he was preaching about, and I was just in tears every night. And he says, Sunday going to come. If you want to come down, come to the front. And I still have that video. I come down to the front and he lays hands on me and the power of God comes over me and my belly flowed like a river. And it was just, it was just a miracle that had happened in my life. God had touched my life. And the guy, whoever the guy was picked me up. He said, I don't know who you are, (laughs) but he said, but he said, God has called you. I was like, Oh my God, he sounds just like my mother. Cause my mother had told me the same thing. Wow. I mean, that's amazing. So, you know, right after that moment, I mean, you still have the, all this this pain that you're carrying around. You still have this, but you know, the Lord has done. I mean, now the Holy Spirit's inside of you. What did the what did the process look like trying to kind of shed the old and step into the new while you're still in this in the limelight, in the spotlight, and 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 trying to figure out what this new life in Christ looks like? It's very hard. You know, I think people don't realize that once you accept Christ, that's not it's not over. You know, it's just the beginning of you walking into the new life. And I think what happened right there is I accepted Christ, but I missed the most important part and what you, your listeners need to listen to. You can accept Christ, but if you don't get discipled, 
Discipleship is the most important thing because the Bible makes it clear. My people perish because of lack of knowledge. There's no understanding of the word of God. And you get you, you perish. You go back to the familiar because you have no foundation. Now you have built your house on the sand. And when the storm comes, it blows it away because you have no foundation on who Christ is and what the word of God is. And that part I missed so much. And I, I encourage people all the time, do not miss the discipleship part. Mm-hmm. That is the number one most important thing that has to happen when you accept Christ. A lot of Christians accept Christ and we have the poof moment. Right. And then, all, then all of a sudden, you know, what happens next? I, all of a sudden I was playing baseball. I ran into the wall mm-hmm. and dislocated my shoulder. I had not been hurt only a couple of times out of eight years. And the first thing I do. I run into the wall in LA and wow. dislocate my shoulder at Dodger Stadium. And guess what? The next day they had pads on it. Well, what were the pads when I dislocated my shoulder? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Wow. But but it, that was a that was a point right there. I didn't have a foundation, so I went back to the familiar. I went back to drinking. I went back to womanizing, and I was on the run for the next what 15 years or so of my life. Wow. We've been talking a lot lately about how you can partner with us as a ministry as we help people partner with God to take back their story. We wanted to take an opportunity to let some people who have been impacted by the ministry of Nothing Is Wasted share their testimony. Listen to this. My pain to purpose journey actually started in January of 2018. It was only a few weeks after the death of my husband and father to my two-year-old. He had passed away from stage four melanoma cancer and my mom in a desperate want for me to heal, had invited me to her church because she said that we had a guest pastor who was coming to speak on grief. And I responded in a not very graceful way about what in the world could he teach me about grief when I was living in it. I had no room in my heart or my mind for a man who defended this God who allowed this kind of pain. I started serving and attending the church that following year. And then that following spring, April of 2019, that pastor, Davey Blackburn, came back and I said that I couldn't serve that weekend because I didn't want to hear it yet. Only for God to be like, ha, nice try. Because in July, I had volunteered our high school week of our student camp and my job was preparing the messages of the guest speakers and the very first message they gave me was that of Davey Blackburn. So I sat and ran the slides to his message and cried uncontrollably behind the computer screen while I listened to him speak and preach about goodness and mercy. And I came to the realization that day that not only was I not showing that mercy and goodness to God or believe he was capable of it, that I was denying that same goodness and mercy to myself. And a year later, I was a resident. And a couple weeks into my residency, my campus pastor asked if I'd be willing to facilitate our Pain of Purpose course. And I said, yes. And it was a massive blessing and such a gift to watch all of these women rust in the process and begin to trust God through their healing. We now have two more groups this spring of double the amount of women now going through this, trying to trust God through their pain. And I'm just so grateful that he's chosen us to have a step to help others get through the darkness. If this testimony moved you or you've been positively impacted by the ministry of Nothing Is Wasted, and you want to join us on this crusade to help people partner with God to take back their story, 
Head over to nothingiswasted.com slash donate and make a one-time or recurring tax-deductible donation. Again, that's nothingiswasted.com slash donate. Okay, so you just said 15 years. And, and by the way, I love that you said poof, because one of the things we talk about a lot of nothing is wasted is that we often want God to change us and poof, you know, in a moment, right? And while we have these encounters that are transformational in a moment, salvation is this momentary thing where it's like, boom, all of a sudden you are now justified in front of the Father, right? Just as if you'd never sure. sinned. He doesn't look at your sin anymore. He looks at you and he sees Jesus and what Jesus did, the finished work of the cross and the empty tomb. That's amazing. That's a poof kind of moment. But then what God does is this process, and that's what you're talking about, the discipleship process. And um, did you notice in this process, 15 years of going back to the old and slipping back into the, you know, the shifty sands of that former foundation that you had, were there any moments where, where God brought somebody into your life or, or he, you could recognize, man, he's like calling me back into this or that it was hard to escape? Did you, did you notice anything different about that 15 years as opposed to you know, prior to receiving Christ? Well, I can tell you this, I, I went through hell more mm. than anything, you know, because <laughs> I was completely separated, you know, from the fact of who God was. And, and I just felt like the, the enemy, the devil himself had his claws in me. And once he gets his claws in you, it's hard to get them out of you because it's like seven times more when you go back and people don't believe that's the case. And I think I, I went back without a foundation and God let me go through that period because I was stubborn, you know, and I had this, you know, the ego of a man. What is the ego of a man? It's a three letter word, easing God out. Mm -hmm. That's an ego. That's what a man does. That's what a woman does. You decide, well, your ego is bigger than God and I can handle this and I could do this. So that means I'm easing God out. So I was easing God out of my life for this period of time. And I was just running and I was running. I was running nowhere. Mm -hmm. And every, every corner that I was turning, there was always a stop sign that God was trying to stop me. You know, I ended up with cancer twice. I ended up in a Florida state prison with a T17169. God was doing for me what I couldn't do for myself. Yeah. I realize that now, but at the time I didn't realize that he was stopping me at every stop because had he not stopped me, it should have been over. Mm -hmm. It could be easily over. You know, the devil just takes you and he just destroys you. And, but he didn't let him destroy me. He let him torment me, torment me mm -hmm. like crazy. You know, the torment was just insane, crazy that I went through for that long period of time. And then it was, there was I, my wife today who I met was my, I met her and met her through. We were, I was struggling with addiction and she was struggling. She had a year clean we met at a convention in mm. South Florida and God brought her into my life for it. And she kind of intervened in my life and I was still struggling and she never went back. She's got 21 years of recovery. Now wow. I got like 18. She never went back. She stayed, she stayed with God. She stayed in recovery and God used her to lead me back after I was struggling. I was shooting dope. I was smoking crack mm. and I was down in South Florida she was banging on doors, pulling me out of dope houses and talking about God's got a plan for you. Hmm. I said, why don't you, and I says, why don't you and that God just leave me here and let me die? She said, you just not that lucky. You're just <laughs> not that lucky. You know, <laughs> little did I know that God was using her yeah. to lead me back. It was the preparation of him using her to lead me back to the cross. And eventually we would leave Florida and we would come to St. Louis and come stay with her parents. The eight, the great Daryl strawberry had, everything from a standpoint, but he had nothing at this point. I was $3 million in debt. 
didn't have a driver's license. This woman that I'm with, with today, my wife, Tracy, she loved me throughout all the mess. Everybody else had given up on me and threw me away for, for whatever. Wow. But God used her to lead me back to him. And she brought me to St. Louis and we got in church and, and wasn't, it wasn't an immediate uh, change. People need to understand that. First, we had to do some things right. Okay, we got to church, but we wasn't married. And she woke up one day and she says, I'm not sleeping with you anymore. I'm not having sex with you anymore. I said, well, she said, I'm going to follow Jesus. I don't know what you're going to do. So I left and went to my sisters and stayed with my sisters for six months. And I got clean. I got off of drugs. I got off to stop having sex. And I got into the Bible and I got into serving at the church I was in California. And then God sent me back after those six months to go and be with Tracy and marry her and do it right. And we got into church and here's the kicker right here. We got into church and God sat me for seven years. Wow. Folks, you need to hear what I'm saying. Not a year. People don't want to sit, but God sat me for seven years because he knew that I needed to be discipled and I needed to be discipled well that before he was going to ever use me or anybody, he had to make sure that you are grounded and have a great foundation biblically because he knows this is not a game. The enemy will come just like Jesus said in John 10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. So God knew that sitting me for seven years would build a great foundation underneath me where I wouldn't get in a pulpit and I would get strangled by the enemy because I don't Mm. know the word. And I think that's what happened to so many Christians. You know, they, 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 they play this game, but I, I realized that God didn't want me playing this game no more because he knew how powerful the enemy is and he knew the deception of the enemy. So he wanted to make sure that I got, Got a real foundation, biblical foundation, scriptures down in my belly, trained up and everything. So, you know, when he comes, you know how to fight. Yeah. First of all, Daryl, I love the fact that it was seven years. I mean, what a, what a amazing biblical number, you know, that there was this, this perfecting that God needed to do in your life. And I don't know who said it first, but I've heard it said before that if you, if the light shining on you is brighter than the light shining in you, it will destroy you. And I think there's times where God removes us from the light. He puts us in hidden places and dark places, sits us down like what you just described so that he can make sure the light shining in us and then through us is something that's a lot brighter than the light. Anybody might try to shine on us in the spotlight. And it sounds like that's what God was doing in that seven year period for you. Do you, um, do you do you remember some tenets or some pillars in that seven year period that you feel like God really got deep down in your heart? You know, I heard you say God's word, of course, right? That you'd started learning God's word, it was buried in your heart now, and 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 now it would just come out of you and overflow you. But there's, were there some like lessons or some principles that you learned that God was teaching you in that time period? Yeah, it was, it, it's, it's, that's a good point because He teaches you real good principles. Uh, and for me, he had to make me understand that it's not about me, mm. you know, and, and he made me get out and do service work. Uh, he didn't send me out when I was in, you know, to go do ministry. He, I mean, he sent me out to go serve others. And I think so many of us get too big for our own britches that we can't, you know, serve and we can't, you know, commit ourselves to a different place. And I, I, I think what I, what I learned in that process is God looks for a man who has humility Mm. and who really would walk with meekness. Mm. 
Mm. No wonder Moses was so great because he couldn't speak. Hmm. You know, and God taught me about that. Moses had a speech impediment, but God was showing me about Moses. It was his great humility and his meekness. That's why God used him mightily. Now, he was saying, if you can learn to walk with humility and meekness and humble yourself and don't exalt yourself, I'll exalt you in due time in front of everyone. And I think that was the learning process I had to come to is I had to take the uniform off. I couldn't be mm-hmm. Daryl Strawberry, the baseball player no more. I couldn't be the world world champ, uh, eight-time all-star, rookie of the year. Because my wife, Tracy, looked at me one day and she says, when are you going to take that baseball uniform off and let God use you? And that was in the midst of sitting. And Hmm. I just like, I could have went in the corner and just cried, you know, and and had had tears come down my face because it was so true. It was a moment of, uh, of different things that I had to be stripped from me so I can be equipped. You can't, if you, if you don't let him strip you, you can't be equipped because then you're still in the, you're still in the middle of trying to be something that God doesn't want you to be. He's trying to bring you to be something that he wants you to be. And I think that was, that was, those a lot of, a lot of pillars for me, you know, being stripped, humility, walking in humility, serving others and, and not making it about me and taking the uniform off. Wow. I just had this picture, you know, scripture talks about, uh, references grave clothes, right? You know that we're we're to shed ourselves of the old, and you even see uh, the the story of Lazarus where he had grave clothes on still, and Jesus tells him, "No, no, no! Hey, get his grave clothes off of him because now he's <laughs> he's raised back to life." And here's this uniform that the world saw as this spectacular, shiny thing, this thing to be uh, to be pursued and chased, you know, chased after, and and for you it was grave clothes. And the, and the Lord had to take you through a season to say, we're going to shed that. We're going to shed that old. We're going to shed the grave clothes and we're going to put some new clothes on you. And Colossians three says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And uh, that's what I'm hearing you say, Daryl, that throughout that period, God was shedding the old and, and putting on a new, a new you, one that your identity is rooted in him not anything that you can do or anything that you can, any pretense you can put off. And uh, what an incredible, incredible thing. I, I want to lean in on this because you said that you led your, your father to the Lord eventually. Yes, I did. I did eventually. Now that fascinates me because I imagine that had to, um, that was probably one, a difficult thing to, you know, difficult uh, thing to confront, right? There's all this pain that he has caused in your life. And now, now you're, you're coming in and you're, most people run away from that kind of pain or suppress it, or they just withdraw from it, but you met it head on. And, and how, how much did forgiveness play into the, the equation for you in terms of having to forgive your father for the pain that he inflicted in your life? Well, I can tell you this, I, I did not meet it head on. You know, mm. I kept him out of my life and my entire career and he didn't get to even know his grandchildren, uh, my kids, um, because I hated him and because of what he had did to my mother and did to our family. And he left us just there for dad and fend for yourself. And and we did. And, and I went out to make it and, and became this, this baseball star. And, you know, he wanted to be a part of my career, but I kept him this way, distance away. You know, I said, how are you doing this? It, but no, nothing wasn't no real relationship there. And here it is. Um, God has changed my life and I'm walking with God and, I'm in California to do a men's prayer breakfast on a Saturday morning. 
and I find out my father's in the hospital through my brother. Uh, he tells me my father's in the hospital in San Diego and God speaks to me on a Friday night and says, I want you to go down and see your father, but I don't want you to talk about anything he did to you. I want you to repent to him and ask him to forgive you for keeping him out of your life. Wow. God was all over me that night. And I called my wife and said, God is all over me by going to see my father. And God, it's, it's all God timing because I didn't know, you know, he was in the hospital and, and I was going to go through this. And, you know, she prays for me. She says, you need to do what he says. I go do the men's conference on Saturday, on Saturday morning and Sunday comes. I drive down to San Diego with my brother and I go down there exactly like God said. Mm -hmm. And I see my father. I said, how you doing? And he's just like, I'm doing OK. He's in the hospital bed. And I says, you know, the Lord changed my life, you know, and I just need to ask you you know, to forgive me, you know, for keeping you out of my life and my career and your grandkids. And I said, would you forgive me? And he shook his head and said, yes. And a tear came down his eye and I just lost it. I just laid in his lap and I was just weeping and I was just crying so hard. And I just like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. And I just was going on and on and on. And then he probably didn't know what was going on, but, and then the Lord said, raise up. And then there I go, or raise up. He goes, lead him in a center prayer. I said, you know, the Lord's changed me. Would you like to accept him as Lord over your life? And he said, yes. I said, well, will you repeat after me? There it is. I lead him in the center prayer and leads him to the Lord. Three, four months later, he goes on to die and, and he goes on home to be with the Lord. It's the timing of what the Lord knew, but the Lord said to me, clearly, I need you to understand that the forgiveness was not for your father. The forgiveness mm. was for me. He mm. said, you thought it was for your father, but it was for you. He says, this is why you stayed broken all those years yeah. because you would not forgive him. He says, I gave you grace. How dare you not forgive him? And I gave you the grace, you know, and, wow. and, and there was, you know, and I, I just remember leaving when I left that hospital and he says, I need you to remember this. It's never about you, mm. you know, and cause we all think it's about us, That's you know, right. he says, it's never about you. It's about what I'm going to do through you, yeah. through, through, through your painful things, the painful things that have happened mm -hmm. in your life. And the reason why things happen in our lives, in our lives, all our lives, is because we're a sinner without a savior. Right. You know, when we, when we come to this point, none of us are good enough to, and we don't understand grace. You know, it's just right. like he said, you know, in second Corinthians 12, nine, he said, and my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in weakness. When we're weak, his grace and the strength is made perfect in, inside of us. And I think we don't realize that, you know, when we so far away from God, because we, you know, the world tells us, we, you know, you don't need anybody. Yes, we do. We yeah. do. We, we do need the savior. And I think that's what, Hit, hit my life more than anything is, is being able to understand God's grace and the forgiveness and the love and, and giving it back to my father because he didn't know only God knew that he was the only child. And he didn't know anything. He didn't know anything right. He all he saw was his father beat his mother in front of him because he was an alcoholic. And, you know, I go on to do the same thing. I didn't beat my wife or kids, but I rejected them just like my father did me. And I broke to finally broke the curse. You know, when I got, my life in order with Christ and became a man after I took the uniform off. Wow. Wow. You know, this, uh, this is, this is a paradigm shift. I mean, this is an unbelievable reality that, you know, you were realizing in that moment that, um, the forgiveness was for your own heart, you know, that you needed to be released from this like bondage, this, this spiritual cancer that was, that was hanging on, um, inside of your soul. And that was, that was 
holding you back and 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 not just that you needed to um you need to ask for forgiveness because it, it, you know Daryl one of the things that I, I completely resonate with this uh, this reality this this uh, realization that it's not about you um you know when my wife was killed and you know you know a little bit of our story when when my wife was murdered she um I remember telling people on national television the journey that I was on in forgiveness and choosing to wake up and forgive these men. And it didn't make sense to anybody. And it didn't make sense to me other than the fact that I knew that there was this kingdom paradigm shift that needed to happen in my own soul to let go of this bitterness that was festering inside of me. And there was this reality inside of me that I knew uh, that this was not about me. This whole thing wasn't about me. And I'm just amazed at the fact that I'm sitting here talking to you right now and that you, you approached your dad asking for his forgiveness and not one time bringing up, this is how you wronged me, or this is the offense that you levied against me. And this is what I've been, you know, you're, you're coming broken and humble. And then when that happened, it broke the stronghold in his life too. And it's like the, you know, it's like, it's like the dam just broke and boom, the floodgates are wide open and, and God's grace is able to just, because you were a conduit of that. And, um, that's some, that's so amazing. I wish that the world would understand that, that when we walk as Jesus people and we just are extending forgiveness as we've experienced it. And as we're walking in forgiveness and we're asking for forgiveness, when we've offended people, there is something so amazing and profound that breaks loose in the supernatural. Yeah, it is. It definitely is. It's just, it's really incredible that the victory you get after that, I, I just remember immediately I was released mm. from the bondage and the chains that were uh, tied to my ankles or my arms or, you know, whatever my head or whatever we, we think about a situation. And I think so many of us never get free because we never enter into that place. Yeah. And, and there I was, and I would tell you that place is a holy place with God. Mm. Now that you have released somebody and asked for, uh, forgiveness, you know, so the forgiveness that wasn't, see, you thinking it's about them, but it's really about you. Yeah. He's trying to do something in, inside of you to set you free because we, we don't realize and understand that, you know, evil is real and, and, and evil things do happen, you know, and, and rejection do happen just like it happened in my life and your life with my father. Uh, it, it was a horrible feeling, you know, as a kid to go through that and, and, and be, wandering in the wilderness, you know, and sometimes God needs us to wander in the wilderness, mm-hmm. you know, to bring us back to a place where we never get complacent anymore. And we think it's about, uh, think it's about us. And we realize that it's about him and, we, and realize that he can't do his great work through us until we are, until we empty our vessel out. You know, and so, so when the vessel is clean, now he can pour his spirit in there and that's when the transformation can take place. Now he can use you for his glory because now you're not holding anyone hostage about, you know, something that had happened because you have to forgive every situation, no matter 
what it looks like because I had to do that with my father. Then I had to go back and make amends to my first and second wife and tell them, I'm sorry, I wasn't a good husband. I treated you guys wrong. I'm so sorry that, you know, I, I was a womanizer, alcoholic, and, 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 and I hurt you and the kids and everything. And, you know, to be sitting in front of them and, and seeing them look at me and look me in the eyes and see them cry, uh, because I'm saying that I'm sorry, you know, it may not been for them. It might not, might've not been for them in that moment, but it was a great moment for me, Mm. you know, to be able to, you know, be, be relieved from that because the damage we all go, we all continue to do damage until we actually get healed and, you know, on the inside. And I think that, you know, reality of learning that with God was a very important moment in my life. That's so good. We say a lot that if, unless you let God transform your pain, you'll transfer your pain onto somebody else. It just, mm, that's good. you're just going to keep, like what you said, you're going to keep doing damage and you don't even realize it. It's just your default mode because you're just reacting out of this pain that is inside of you, but you got to let God change that. Now you, now you're in this, this pulpit. I love that you said God took you from the pit to the pulpit and he's put <laughs> this fire in your bones, man. And it's like, you know, everywhere you're going, you're preaching the gospel, you're sharing the good news of Jesus. Um, but you know, before we kind of talk about this purpose that God's this renewed purpose that God has brought into your life, I wonder as you kind of look back on that lifestyle and more importantly, as you look back and maybe you interact with, or you see, or you observe people who are in that, you know, some of these, maybe it's in professional baseball, maybe it's in other arenas that you were, you were in those spaces and those places that you were in and you were caught up in, as you look back, what's it, what's your heart cry? for the folks who are, who are there caught up in that, who are kind of blind to, um, to, you know, to the, to the reality and the good news of Jesus as they're, as they're still caught up in this, you know, chasing after fame and chasing after fortune and chasing after, you know, everything that you, you were on that treadmill chasing. My heart cries that they don't realize that it's a dead end mm. and they don't realize that it's meaningless under the sun without God. When you look at King Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes and he talks about how having everything here, it is the richest, wisest man in in Jerusalem having everything, but he's talking about how meaningless it is under the sun without God. And when you know that your day will come, God will call your name and all these earthly things will not even count. They only count from an earthly standpoint. And, and my heart cries out to so many because all of them, so many are consumed and embedded in it. And they think, well, this is, this is just it, you know, and yeah, I'm going to die, but they don't really understand that. Yeah, you're going to die, but you're going to have to meet God, you know, and I don't think people are preparing themselves for that. You know, they prepare themselves for the, you know, the success they have and the fame they have. But at the end of the day, people will say a lot of good things about you uh, when you pass away, but what will be your legacy? Will they talk about, you know, you leaving a legacy of a uniform and trophies. Um, no, I, I mean, I want my legacy to be left here to my kids. Like my mother left the legacy she left for me was Jesus is Lord. You know, that's, that's what she left. And the legacy I want to leave for my kids is Jesus is Lord. Okay. You know, that's the greatest legacy I can leave them. I, you know, so they can be able to know that you will have to meet the Lord one day after all this is over. And so, you know, my heart, my heart cries out for, you know, those that really uh, have been deceived by the enemy because he dangles all this stuff in front of them. And like, I give you all this, let you have all this, you know, and what they say, most people fall for it, you know, just like I did back in the days. 
but he did the same thing to Jesus in Matthew 4, 4. He said, I give you all this. And Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It is written. It's the word of God, you know, and when you know that and you know the true meaning of that and you live that in your life, now you understand you have, I, I have truly arrived now, you know, with my relationship with Christ. I, I don't really straddle the fence anymore. You know, uh, uh, I do, I know Jesus or do I still do Do I still, you know, run into this earthly stuff to say, look at me, I'm still all this, you know, I never want to be that person ever again. I don't ever want to say, look at me. I want to say, look at the symbol of the cross and know the man that hung on the symbol of the cross of Calvary that shed his blood that went to the tomb and early Sunday morning he got up and when he got up he got up with all power wow we have something exciting to share today with you Nothing Is Wasted family we are hosting our first ever Nothing Is Wasted Give-A-Thon Okay, because we've never done this before, we have so many amazing things planned for this Giveathon that you will not want to miss it. Mark your calendars for Thursday, May 6th, from 8.30 to 9.30 p.m. Eastern on my Facebook page. We're going live. Aubrey's going to co-host the Giveathon with me, and we will be joined by some very special guests, like some of our Nothing Is Wasted headquarter team, community group leaders, certified guides, and more. This Giveathon will give you an opportunity to partner with our ministry financially as we reflect on what God has done over the last few years and look forward to where God is moving our organization this year and beyond. You'll have a chance to make a one-time or recurring gift to the ministry, become a monthly partner, donate to scholarships for the Pain to Purpose course and coaching, be able to sponsor a podcast episode or a bundle of podcast episodes, or make a larger donation to sponsor our podcast studio for a year. We will have giveaway opportunities for everyone who tunes in and more fun surprises up our sleeve. So you won't want to miss this first ever Nothing Is Wasted Giveathon. Again, we will be live on my Facebook page, Davey Blackburn, from 8.30 to 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Thursday, May 6th. We can't wait to see you there. Well, man, you, you know now you're preaching. Um, you're you're spreading the good news. You got this new book that's just, that's just come out, right? That's turn your season around. And um, what gets you up in the morning? I mean, what's your holy discontent? This is a brand new life for you, man. This is this is what's so cool. This drastic turnaround from the life that you were living and what you were caught up in, and now you it, uh, it seems like I can just see it radiating from you. You've got this this fresh new start. And, uh, you're about to take the, I mean, you're about to take the world by storm. I believe it, man. I think you're going to make the enemy enemy pay for, for everything that he was dangling in front of you for years. Um, but what gets you up? What gets you motivated and fired up? What's this purpose that you're living for now? Well, what gets me up is, is I'm free, you know, and when you're free, who the son says free is free. Indeed. When you're free, then the joy of the Lord becomes my strength in everything mm -hmm. that I do. And, the purpose is not about me. The purpose is about what he has done through me. Now it's about going to win souls. Mm. You know, at the end of the day, you know, I'm not counted for trophies and, and championships or anything, you know, rings or you know, whatever. I'm not counted for that. I'm, you know, God's going to say, what did you do for my kingdom? And I know you had a, you had a chance and opportunity to spread the good news while you were living. Were you afraid? 
No, I was. Why would I want to be? Why should I be afraid when I was a heathen? I was not afraid being a heathen. So why are we so afraid when we come to Christ? You know, why are we afraid to be bold about the gospel, about our faith? Yeah, you're going to lose a lot of folks. They're going to take off. Good. Bye. You know, I know that the great one lives inside of me, rules and reigns over me. I don't rule and reign over my side, my life. You know, I get up every day with an urgency that God wants to use me to help somebody yeah. and tell them about the love of Jesus. You know, I just want to be a prime example and the boldness of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, I don't want to be one of these guys that go um, say, well, I need all these friends, you know, all these friends I played sports with and everything. Yeah. They, they all used to hang with me and used to call me the straw man when I was all, all that, that what I, I thought I was, but you know, now today they're like, yeah, he's over there with Jesus. Now. Yeah, you're right. I'm staying over here with Jesus too. I'm not leaving Jesus. <laughs> and you know, you ought to come and taste and see that the Lord is good too. And when so, you get a taste of them, you'll know you won't none of that other stuff. So my urgency is always to get up man, and just, just worship God and thank God for another opportunity. I love it. I love it, man. This has been incredible. I, I just appreciate the time that you spent with us and I appreciate your testimony, your fervency, uh, the fire that you're you're bringing to the table now, uh, this, this this Holy Spirit, um, this fire in your bones, man. I just I love it. And you know, I was having lunch with Pastor Daner the other day. He told me he was like, man, the couple of times that Daryl's been out here and, and preached at the Blended Church, the Holy Spirit just does these unbelievable things. I mean, just this crazy movement. And so, I'm just proud of you, man. For from a young guy who, I mean, I was a kid watching you grow up and. Absolutely. I saw some of the things that, you know, took place in your life and the news and some of the trouble that, you know, you got into. I'm so glad the Lord has got a hold of your life because you're an instrument and a tool that he is going to use in the best of ways. And he already is. And, and, and man, I'm just I, I, I love it. I, I'm just so I'm so proud of you. Well, thank you. It means a lot, man. I appreciate it. And really, thank you for having me. And just, you know, we just got to continue to spread the love. Jesus is love, That's man. Right. You know, everything, everything else is meaningless. You know, all this other stuff it it won't make sense at the end of your life, but that love that he gives to us to give back and share it to others, man, that's incredible, man. When, you know, I get a chance to go into churches, man, and, and minister the gospel and just show them that, you know, I don't care how far that's right. you think you are, you're, you're down. He still could pick you up and put you in a place to work for him. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Man. Well, thanks, Daryl. Thanks for spending time with us. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Now, Aubrey, do you see why I was kind of fangirling? In the I whole? mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I be, I became a huge fan right? uh, because of that conversation. The dude is on fire, and the Holy Spirit just, like, spoke through him so powerfully. I know. I'm a fan for a totally different reason now. Like, right. yeah. I'm going, man. Like, And this is one of those things. You know, sometimes you, you hear conversion stories of maybe a, a major public figure or mm -hmm. an influencer or something. And you kind of go like, oh, okay, we'll see if this... Like, we'll see what happens. We'll see if this right. pans out. Like, this seems really rushed that they're coming... You know, that seems really... And, and I don't... I hate that, there. you know, there's like a, a cynicism there. I but know, we've you seen so many times right, right. that this has happened and there's been some waffling back and forth. But I think what's really unique about Daryl Strawberry's story is how much time was spent kind of in this, uh, this discipleship 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, it was just, it, it, he was getting, he was getting poured into for years and years and years and years and years underground when nobody was, no nobody was watching. Nobody knew. knew that it was happening. Yeah. Yes. And, and I think we could experience as we're listening to that interview back. And as I was in it, I could experience the fruit of that because mm-hmm. he just flowed with scripture. He flowed yeah, with he the did. Holy Spirit's presence. Yeah, he did. This was not a manufactured put on type enthusiasm or zeal. This was something mm-hmm. that came from a deep, deep, deep place of pain and a deep place of discipleship. And I thought that deep was place really... place of rootedness. Yeah. Yes. And I think we missed that so many times. I was thinking too about how sometimes... I mean, Daryl Strawberry is a different example, but sometimes we see sort of these uh, Christian influencers, for lack of a better word, come on the scene and you think, oh, they're an overnight story or where did they came right, from? Right. They, they came from out of nowhere. But uh, what you see in Daryl's story, really, like you said, Davey, is the value of the fact that he allowed himself, after being in the public eye, to remain hidden so that he could become like Christ. Yes. And now you just see God like opening up the floodgates yeah. for him to have this powerful ministry. And what I love about that, too, is that he chose intentionally not to be famous so that God's name, so that Jesus's name right. could be made famous through right. him. Yeah, that's so good. I love that you just said he was hidden. You know, Colossians talks about being hidden in Christ. Mm. Uh, so I no longer live. It's not me living. It's it's you living in me, you living through me, right? And this yeah. is the idea of being hidden behind the cross. And But also, you know, he was kind of, he was underground, so he was hidden not, not to a public exposure, public platform. And I think it's really imperative that this process happens for everybody, because you're right, Aubrey, um, these folks, there, there's no such thing as an quote unquote overnight success story. Right. And if there actually is, then I think we need to be leery of that mm. because uh, your talent can take you much further than your character can sustain you if you're not careful about it. That's good. And yep. so this is why we so often see these platforms getting built, especially in today's culture where you can have a quote unquote YouTube overnight success story or a viral video that goes overnight. And then all of a sudden somebody's thrust into the spotlight. Somebody's thrust with this mantle of influence over top of them, whether they're a Christian influencer or not. Mm -hmm. And um, that can crush you. Absolutely. But what's really awesome about Daryl's story and what I want to encourage in everybody's story is the intentionality of going underground. You know, he, Mm -hmm. He drove himself to go underground. He drove himself toward obscurity. He said, no, I want to go there and I want to get into the deep places where God can do something rich inside of my soul so that what comes out of me is a natural thing. It's not put on. It's not manufactured. It's not like I'm trying to find some kind of place or position in this world. This is just the Holy Spirit that's going to flow through me. And then he can take care of my platform. The other thing I was thinking that was encouraging for me and would be encouraging for you listeners as well, especially if you feel like you're in a hidden place, because a lot of times we can feel like we're in that, does God even see me? Is God ever going to use me? Will I ever, maybe you feel like God has given you some gifts or you feel like God has given you a purpose and a passion, but you're like, Lord, why aren't you like, I mean, let's use sports metaphors. Like, why aren't you putting me in coach? I mean, there were years of my life when I was raising little kids, (laughs) just praying like, Lord, put me in. And of course he was putting me in at home, but like, I wanted to be in out there on the field, you know? And I think this is a good word for all of us. One, that the Lord's timing is perfect and two, not to despise humble beginnings, right? right? Mm -hmm. Not to despise 
any season you're in, because in every season, God is using that season as we submit to him to make us more like Christ. So that when one day we get a little bit, you know, more influence or a little bit more opportunity, like you said, Davey, it's that we're ready to shine light on Jesus and not shine light on ourselves. That's it. Right. That's so good. And every, you know, every major character that we see in scripture, they go through this process. You know, it was, it was years, 13 or so years between Joseph getting the dream Mm. and then stepping into the destiny, right? Yeah, that's good. It was years, 15 years, most scholars believe from the point where David is an anointed king to the, to the point that he's a appointed king. He's actually crowned king. And, and e- even Paul, right? Like right. he was converted on the road miraculously, but then yep. he goes into discipleship for years and years. years. I mean, we know at least three years he just met with Jesus. He like mm-hmm. flew, to, flew to Arabia, just met with Jesus. And then for another, they say between 11 or eight and 11 years, he was just kind of learning in, you know, in Jerusalem. And before he went to start plant planting churches. We don't see that when we read scripture, we think it's like an immediate thing. And so right. we can, can get out, we can get out ahead of ourselves or get out of, get out ahead of God's plan. Um, but I remember hearing Christine Kane talk about, and I'm sure you've heard this, but talk about the development process of a photograph. Right. Right. And the, the it, dark room years, the I dark think she room, talks about. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and that there are nine different chemical processes that a photograph has to go through. It takes a photograph from a negative to a positive. Come on, isn't there, there's not a more appropriate word for That's the right. nothing is wasted yeah. podcast that when your circumstances are negative, it need, it's going to be flipped to a positive, but it's going to go through a process before it is mm-hmm. flipped through, before God can do something redemptive in it. And the reason that is, is that if you expose the photograph to light before it's ready, it destroys the photograph. It ruins it. And right. so it can't be predisposed to it. Um, and, and so then she says this phrase. I thought it was, it's so amazing. If the light shining on you is greater than the light shining in you, it will destroy you. Oh, that Chris Kane, she knows how to like uh, throw some phrases, doesn't Come she? On. Say that one more time, Davey. If, if the light shining on you is greater or brighter than the light shining in you, then it will destroy you. And this yeah. is this is why I think it's so important for us. And really, you know, truly, if you get down to the bottom, I mean, the bottom of it, and this is where it's been really convicting to me, because we live in a day of, you know, marketing, promote yourself, build your brand, all this stuff, right? And, yeah, and we do. And everybody's at least in some way kind of inoculated by this whole message. And, and yeah. we kind of get, get caught up in it with Instagram and all social media and stuff. Yeah. But Jesus always pursued obscurity and God took care of his platform. Every single time he said, nope, 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 and ran away from it. That's, That's right. right. That's right. Well, if we can help you as you're on your journey, wherever you are, whether you feel like you're in the dark, whether you're on a platform, whether you're in the light, we want to help you partner with God to take back your story. And um, we have several ways that we can do that. If you just go to nothingiswasted.com, you can check out all the different ways that we have. Uh, we can walk beside you in this, the middle of this valley, whether it's taking the pain to purpose course, um, whether it's hiring a certified guide to help you one-on-one or joining our community group platform, all of that can be found at nothingiswasted.com. And I'm also excited, Davey, because uh, pretty soon we have our birthday episode That's on right. June 3rd. That's a Q&A. So some of you have sent in questions and me, Davey, and Christy are going to spend some time answering those for you. you and then we actually that? have... Christy is going to be back Christy on. Christy is coming. Wait. Back by popular demand. She's not coming just for the birthday episode, though. That's right. Christy is coming back for a special motherhood episode with Ooh. one and only me. Uh-oh. I get to spend some time with your wife you on me. June 10th. You're kicking me off the podcast. Yeah. 
yeah, for we don't bit. have time for you for that one. That's <laughs> the me and Christy show. You don't want to hear all about my, mothering, all my insight into motherhood. You don't want to hear all of that. <laughs> Absolutely not. You are not welcome there, Davy Blackbird. Uh, There's no room for you there. We uh, also have a parenting series coming up right after that one. So a lot of great things lined up for you. Well, even though I won't be on the podcast, I'll tell you somebody who will be on those podcasts outside of you and Christy. Sleeping at Last will be on those episodes. That's for sure. We're so grateful for Sleeping at Last, for providing all the music for the Nothing is Wasted podcast. You see that? That was a really good segue, wasn't it, that Aubrey? That was a just smooth kind of transition. I was literally just nodding my head like, wow, you must be a professional podcaster, Davey. I know. Hey, you can also follow us on Instagram at Nothing is Wasted Ministries, at Davey Blackburn, and at Obsamp. Next week, we have a very special guest that you're going to have a conversation with, Davey, Anne Kurtz-Kernian. That's right. Let's go ahead and listen to part of your conversation with Anne. You know, just about a year ago or so, a little over a year ago, I came down with COVID. And um, it was the sickest I've ever been in my life. I am an athlete. I was a Division One athlete when I was in college. I um, keep I work out an hour a day. I'm a vegetarian. I'm very careful with what I eat. And I thought, oh, I'm going to be protected. You know, about a week or so before that, I had heard about COVID. I thought, oh, I should be pretty good. Well, it hit me hard. And I was in bed for three weeks. I lost my sense of taste and smell, which is still not fully recovered. I had more pain in than I ever thought. Several nights, in fact, I was not sure I was going to wake up the next morning. I thought, you know, God, I guess it's about time. I guess this is my time. I've done what you've asked me to do on wow. earth, and here we go. Um, we have three children and six grandchildren. I didn't want to leave them. I have a loving husband who was taking care of me, but I was not sure. And because it was so early in the pandemic, they didn't want to test me because I had nothing in my lungs for two and a half weeks. So finally, I got a test. And of course, it was positive. And I could not get back to my usual workouts, quote unquote, usual for two months. Um, and I'm back. My energy's back now. Um, still have a little bit of loss of tense, say, taste and smell, but I'm grateful for what I have. But, you know, it really, you know, during this time, Davey, I was, you know, thinking, okay, I'm t I teach about gratitude. I teach about self-compassion. I teach about getting out in nature. I teach about these practices. I really need to rededicate myself. So every day, laying in bed, you know, my husband trying to see if I could, he could do anything to help me. I had a fever for 11 days, wow. just miserable. I just kept thinking, what can I be grateful for? Because one of the phrases I say all the time is be grateful in a situation, not for a situation. <laughs> 